You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit votr.church. Welcome to our One Day to Feed the World campaign. Uh, This Sunday, as you saw in the video, when we partner with Convoy of Hope, we are already on the ground in Puerto Rico because of our generosity as a church. Uh, The Convoy team is so thankful for us as a church. They know who we are uh, from their headquarters. They know the Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado, and they love our partnership and what we're able to do. So this Sunday, we're going to be talking a little bit about that. Um, I do want to say, if we've never met before, my name is Natalie. I'm one of the pastors here at the Vineyard, and I'm so thankful that we could worship together. Worship was beautiful this morning. So many of you were, we were really loud. I don't know if you felt it, but it felt loud this morning. Um, And I also want to welcome everyone tuning in on the live stream as well. I'm so glad that we have a way for you to be connected and be plugged in, and I hope you enjoy your morning with us as well. Last week, Heath was here from Convoy. Uh, He helped us kick off our one-day giving campaign with a powerful message on radical generosity and the impact of our partnership with Convoy, and it was so great to have him here with us. Um, And at the Vineyard, we we just love this giving campaign. Every October, this is what you can expect. Every October, we invite the church to go above and beyond our normal giving, and we ask you to give one day's wage away to the poor. We ask you to work for the poor and to give away whatever you would normally earn in one day. For some, that's $50. For others, that's $500 or even more. But then we collect all of those offerings. We bring it all together, and we really do. We give 100% of that away. We don't take any of that, and we give 100% to Convoy of Hope. Uh, Just two years ago, we gave over $70,000 as a church, which I have to tell you, this, yes, this is amazing. That was during COVID, right? That was the first year of COVID in 2020. We gave $70,000 away, above and beyond our normal tithes and offerings. And just last year, we gave over $80,000. Clearly, we are a radically generous church, right? I can't wait to see what we will be able to do this year. It's very exciting. Well, Jeff and I, we were introduced to Convoy of Hope about 12 years ago while we were serving in the inner city of Kansas City and discipling gang members. We have so many beautiful memories and stories of our own personal transformation, but as well as as seeing lives changed all around us. But one of the great memories was when the Convoy of Hope semi-truck pulled in to our neighborhood. Uh, Our neighborhood was a place that was oftentimes ignored or rejected really overlooked. Uh, Any time that that our neighborhood would be in the news, it was for tragedy and nothing about hope. There was nothing there about hope. But that summer afternoon, when the trucks rolled in, when they came, and all the volunteers started showing up, we filled this huge park in Kansas City. And every single person that we came, that we brought to that party, every person in the community that got to be a part of that event, they became Convoy's guest of honor. That is a common phrase that Convoy uses. Anyone they serve is their guest of honor. They're treated with love, kindness, and respect. They were given groceries, haircuts, dental work. They were, there were people filling out job applications like in the moment, sitting down and getting connected in the community and so much more. But beyond, beyond all of those tangible things, like super helpful things, they were able to receive prayer. They 
were able to connect with pastors and start building relationships, and they were given hope. One of the things that I always love about Convoy is that they're not interested in becoming the hero of everyone's story. They are completely the farthest from that that I've seen. They know that they reserve, they reserve that for Jesus Christ alone. And they know that the best way to see long-term impact is if the leaders of that community, if they are the, in that particular community, become the center of that continued effort. And so wherever they're at, they're, they seek out leaders in that neighborhood or in that community to be a place, and then they leave, and they are out. And it's the community that invests in those in need. Um, so I want to fast forward a few years, and I, I find myself pastoring here at the Vineyard. And while I'm here, I'm exploring, I'm, I've like learned all about Convoy's international work. Just a few years ago, I had the opportunity to take a team from our church to go to El Salvador. I see some of you out there. All right. It was, it was incredible um, to see, like, hands-on the work that was happening internationally that we are making a difference in. I, I got to see their work. I've seen their work in the inner city. I've seen the work here in Fort Collins when we, every Christmas, host our Winter Wonderland outreach. But it was amazing to see their international work and all of the facets of that. I got to see their women's empowerment, empowerment program. Uh, that pro- program trains, finances, and uplifts women to run their own businesses. And I will never forget meeting a woman, a sweet, sweet woman named Carmen. I can just picture her smile. I can picture the joy on her face as she has built up a business to support her family and the community around her. She started with a few chickens, and then she ended up having a chicken farm, and she is selling eggs and chicken to the neighbors around her, to her whole community, and feeding her community and it's, it's all about her. She's the hero of the story, not Convoy of Hope, not anything that we give, not anything anyone else does. It's, all, it's her story. This is what she has done. Um, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that we support an organization like Convoy of Hope, um, that over the years we've had, we've had so many supporters from our local church, too, that have either given or prayed or gone on trips like that as well. When I think of who Convoy represents, I'm reminded of a certain scripture that I want to read this morning. It's a familiar story for some. It will be new for others, but it's a a part of scripture that comes from one of the most important teaching moments in the ministry of Jesus. It's called the Parable of the Good Samaritan. The story is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, but as always, context is a little important, so I want to make sure that I get to that. But So just a few verses before the parable of the Good Samaritan, an expert religious, an expert religious leader started to question Jesus. Sometimes when this happens, it's because they're trying to trap him, or they were trying to justify themselves and appear righteous, like they had enough to offer, um, even though maybe they were struggling. So in Luke, in Luke 10, an expert religious leader asked Jesus, how he could be sure to inherit eternal life. And like Jesus usually did, he answered with a question. Jesus basically replied saying, well, what do you think? How do you understand the scriptures? And the so-called religious expert quoted Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19 by saying, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus told them that it was a good answer. That's a good answer, right? 
But the religious leader wasn't satisfied. So he asked a qualifying question, uh, trying, to, trying to dig in a little bit deeper. Um, and the scripture teaches us that it was to justify himself, probably because he knew he wasn't quite living up to the standards that he maybe felt like he needed to do. So the question was, well, who is my neighbor? In other words, who do you actually want me to love? Who do, you actually, who do I actually need to help? Or maybe, who can I ignore? The Good Samaritan, which is a beautiful parable for us today, is Jesus' response to the question, who is my neighbor? So let's read the, let's read the parable in full. It's a lot of scripture. It's, it's a little bit long, um, but we'll get through it. I'm going to start in Luke 10 in verse 30. It says this. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed him by, by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. There have been entire books written on this single parable, and there's so much in this that can be said. But because this is a Mission Sunday, what I, what I really want to do today is kind of summarize the story. We're going to zero in on our key invitation for our one-day campaign. So first, the stage is set with a Jewish man who'd been beaten he was attacked, he was stripped naked, he was robbed, and he was left for dead on the side of the road. Probably means there was blood, right? It probably means that there would be like an agony and pain and very likely some kind of noise or some kind of struggle leading up to this point. And here's where it gets more interesting. The first person to the situation to see everything is a priest. Now that would be someone like me. I'm a pastor. It would be like a pastor, a spiritual leader, someone who had dedicated their life to loving God and loving others. But the priest wasn't acting very priestly, was he? He saw the man in need. He, he saw and evaluated the situation, and he completely walked. He completely walked away and avoided it. Instead of drawing near to the person in need, it says in verse 31 that he saw the need from a distance and walked to the other side completely ignoring the pain and completely avoiding this super messy situation. Next up was what our scripture says is the temple assistant. But the, the best translation in the original language would be the word Levite. A Levite is simply a person from the tribe of Levi, but, but they were unique because this was a family line of worshipers. So maybe there were leaders, but maybe they were just family members of the greater worshiping, worshiping community. So, in other words, the Levites were all of us, everyone in this room. 
Everyone tuning in online, that was us. And again, they did the same thing, right? Like they looked, they witnessed it, they got a little bit closer, they evaluated and he saw like the tragedy and the pain that was happening. But again, he walked to the other side of the road. And here's where the, here's where the parable gets really crazy. Next up is a despised Samaritan. Obviously, Jesus didn't despise any, anyone. He's playing off the culture's utter hatred for Samaritans during that day because Jews and Samaritans, they did not get along at all, and that's saying it very, very nicely. They, they would not go hand in hand. The closest comparison that I can think of would be like if Jesus was sharing this parable inside of Ukraine, and he said, then a Russian soldier came. It would almost be repulsive to the listener. You can almost, I feel that as I say it out loud even, um, but just the mention of the word Samaritan and everyone listening would have had a bad taste in their mouth. Everyone listening would have assumed that this person was going to have the worst response of them all because nothing good can come from Samaria. And then Jesus did the shocking thing as he does. Jesus made the Samaritan the hero. This would have been unthinkable. The Samaritan in the story drew near to the person. He had compassion on the hurting. He cared for the weak. He took care of the wounds. And he even placed this lonely and abandoned, half-naked Jewish man on his own donkey. Like placing a random person in your car today. And he took him to the nearest inn or hotel or urgent care facility so that they could continue to care for this poor man. I mean, imagine the utter disbelief of a Jew hearing the story when the Samaritan is the hero. Imagine a Ukrainian hearing that a Russian soldier is the hero of the parable. It'd be so jolting. It's, it's almost unthinkable to the original hearer. And yet this is exactly how Jesus told the story. Now look at the end of the story again, because this is where I really want to zero in this morning. Let's read verses 34 and 35 one more time. Verse 34, then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. The Samaritan hero took the hurting, broken man to an innkeeper who could continue the care for this person to making sure that they weren't just cared for in an emergency, but that they were cared for well beyond that, cared for until they were completely healthy again. He even paid two silver coins, which in the Greek, two denarii, it's, it's actually two denarii, which is fascinating for today because one denarii is equivalent to one day's wage. I thought that was super interesting. Um, and the Samaritan ended up giving two, you know? So we're inviting everyone to give one denarii to the poor, but some of you may feel led or compelled to give to, like the person in this story. The Samaritan, the Samaritan says, I've seen the tragedy, and I want to do something about it. Here's the money. Take care of this man, and if the bill runs higher, if the need increases beyond my payment, I will give you more next time. I'll give you more the next year, right? Or I'll give you more the next time that I'm around. I will help you. There are so many beautiful takeaways from this passage, so many ways that we could apply this to our own lives today. And I trust that God is doing that for some of you right now. But here's the main, main point, main application point for this morning. Convoy is our innkeeper. If you're new to Christianity or you've ever wondered if the church does anything to care for the poor, 
then let me tell you, Convoy of Hope and our partnership with them is one of the best ways that I see this happen. I think I get emotional about this because I've seen it firsthand. I've met the leaders, I've met the team at Convoy, and I will tell you, they are very selfless in their, in their care for the world. Um, yeah, we can trust Convoy with our wages. We can, we can trust that if we bring our money and if we see the hurting, Convoy knows what to do, and they can continue the care until everyone is nursed back to healing, empowered to make a difference, and trained and discipled to glorify God. Convoy is our innkeeper. I've seen it. I've seen it in the inner city when they showed up with their trucks. I've seen it in El Salvador when they care for each woman, child, and farmer, and community member, and how they raise up their local leaders to be the, to make the impact as well. We heard more about it last week from Heath Adamson when he came, and very shortly we're, we're going to hear from part of our own team. We had a team that just recently went to Puerto Rico, who once again just got hammered by another hurricane, but as you saw in that video, you know that Convoy of Hope is already there doing the work, and because of our partnership, we are right there as well. You and I simply can't reach every single person in need. It's, it's impossible, and as you slow down in your life and start thinking about it, it can become overwhelming. But what we can do is we can finance the innkeeper to continue the work. We can be generous in our support, and we can give today and give again. And in, in, as the need increases, but as, the, as a church, I'm so glad that we're part of all kinds of stories, stories of hope, faith, and love in Jesus Christ. Let's watch it. I have a short video that I want to share this morning. Convoy of Hope does such a good job with sharing stories about people that have been impacted. There's thousands of these stories, but this story in particular is about a man in Nairobi. And after the video, we'll invite our own team up to talk about their Puerto Rico trip. So check out this, uh, this video. If there's one thing I know, it's that our path in life is uncertain. I'm proof of that. My dad was abusive, violent, and an alcoholic. So one night my dad came home very late, drunk as usual, and he started spitting at my mama. The next morning my dad was gone, but my mom was left agonizing in pain. And she calls me and tells me, Johnson, I want you to run and find your daddy because I feel like I'm going to die. Those are the words I haven't forgotten for the last 17 years. So I ran so fast, found my dad. And when we got back, she was dead. At that time I was eight years old, but had never gone to school. My father had not let go of the alcoholism. So my grandma brought me to Nairobi. So soon after I arrived, my grandma was able to enroll me at a school called MCDC. Being in school also meant getting help from the Convoy of Hope, who supplied food and other things I needed but couldn't afford. 
the first shoes I wore was given to me by Convoy. That's the first shoe I wore in my life. Whoever invented shoes is a genius. For three years, my teachers didn't promote me to the next class because I was a fool. Well, I think I was a fool because I didn't understand anything in class. And I wasn't disturbed by that. I was only concerned with how I was going to survive. But one day I looked at myself and realized that I was at the bottom of my class and I was tired of struggling in life. I started working hard towards my books and my position in class was increasing. My teachers realized this boy is bright. So they promoted me one grade, two grades, three grades. In one year I caught up in school. I passed my exams and started high school. I shared a room with a dozen other boys at the church so we didn't have to live at home. Convoy continued to give us food and we would sit here eating side by side, studying, planning for our futures. At that time, I had a teacher, Mrs. Lewis, who became a guardian angel to me. You're very bright, Chagel. She knew I was experiencing hardship at home and she would bring me bread and a cup of tea every morning. This is a woman who changed my perception of life. That's when I knew I wanted to become a teacher. Mrs. Lewis told me I was smart enough to go to university, and I believed her. So I applied to university. I knew I could never afford it, but that didn't matter. I finally had a vision for my future. I wanted to influence young people and educate fools like I had been. So I applied myself even more and I graduated high school near the top of my class. I know my mother would have been so proud of me. Through it all, the death of my mom, struggling in school, graduating, losing my home, selling in the streets, and everything in between, my life was full of chaos and uncertainty. But one day I got the news that changed my life. Because my grades were so good, I was given a scholarship to university. I was so happy, I was beyond words. So now I'm studying industrial chemistry. Someday I'll be a teacher. I'll change the lives of people in situations like mine. So every day I can, I come back here to my school and I tutor kids. I'm telling them that they are valuable. I'm telling them I was like them, hungry in my body and in my mind. And people like Convoy of Hope came along and fed me. And now because of them, I will never be the same. I will accomplish my vision, and nothing can stop me. Convoy is our best innkeeper. I love that story so much. We've got a crew here, part of the team that went to Puerto Rico. Um, this is Terry and her daughter Tatum and Kendra and Karen and Ginny are all up here. And I know that there's a few more that are out there too, um, serving and in different places. But I know that they had a great time in Puerto Rico. So Terry, I'd love for you to kick us off and share a little bit about what you guys were up to. Yes, awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, Bethany and Ian, where are there to count? This is what we did all the time. We had to make sure there were eight of us <laughs> everywhere we went. <laughs> Airport. The van, all the stuff. It was awesome. Um, we had such a great time. So this is my first time doing a convoy trip. And I've done mission trips in the past. And it's been a while. But um, 
the convoy staff, we just, we love them. That's what we kept saying the whole time we were there. Um, we got to work with a church there that um, had seen a lot of hurt, a lot of devastation. It's one of the main things they talked about from Hurricane Maria and then the earthquake was such, such a devastating thing for them. So like their electrical grid is crazy, which we've all heard about. As soon as we all heard about Hurricane Fiona coming in, like our whole team, we have our big group text going and it's like, oh my gosh, electricity. Because that was such a big deal. It was still a factor um, for the church that we served with while we were there. So uh, they were out of electricity a big part of the time because something had happened and it was wild. But um, one of the main things we really like about Convoy is that we knew the work we did was going to last. Like it was going to matter later on. So it wasn't like we just came in, did a couple little things, and left. It was like we got to be part of what Convoy is doing. It's this whole thing. And um, we all knew after we left and Hurricane Fiona came through that the stuff we were doing, like Convoy was still there. Convoy hadn't left just because we weren't there. You know, <laughs> there were other teams coming in. They were feeding people. They're caring for people. They're helping people without electricity again and all of that stuff. So it was really meaningful really impactful, and yeah, we just love Convoy. We're so happy to be part of what they're doing. Yeah, I loved, I, 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 we got certain prayer requests, and that, I remember you saying, like, though, that, that power thing was a big issue. Like, you constantly were asking, please pray for the power to work so that we can finish the project and get things going and do all of that stuff, yeah. Yeah. So, and Tatum, was this your first missions trip? Yes, this is my first missions trip. Ever. So Thanks. we had a, yes, we had a few teens come, go um, down to Puerto Rico, and yeah, who else we had? This was Talia's. Talia, Talia's first, and then Ian. Yeah. Ian Villers yeah. went as well, yeah. and it was just really great to be able to send teens on a trip um, because it was in Puerto Rico. They allowed that to hap to happen. Certain trips, it wasn't an opportunity. So we're so glad that you were able to go. What do you feel like impacted you personally? Um, I just love being able to work with Convoy. I love Convoy so much, and just being able to help out others is really cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and Kendra, me and Kendra got to, we had lunch shortly after they got back, and she had heard so many powerful stories, um, just that impacted her personally. Um, so I wondered if you could share for us a little bit. Too. Yes. Um, yeah, so many stories, but one that really impacted me was um, one afternoon we got to distribute food to some lower income families. We went to this elderly couple's house. The husband has wife um, has 28 grandkids. I can't remember how many, how many um, kids, but very many in their house. They were so happy to have us. They brought us in, and it had been destroyed by Hurricane Maria and then that earthquake the next year, and it was basically a wood frame metal roof, but she was so proud and so grateful that the church had helped them build. And um, we had an interpreter, and she was telling us about their life. She had two sons that were in the States. One son came back and a um, drug dealer kidnapped him and killed him and sent her to Cuba. And, um, she didn't know where her son was. And so she prayed that one day um, they could find him and, and uh, have that unification. And the other son, in fear for his safety, was so that just really impacted me, and um, I could just feel her pain. And um, as we were leaving, she hugged each one of us, and 
I went to let go, and she just pulled me in closer. And um, God just, I was overwhelmed by the joy that she had for Jesus in the midst of such pain and suffering. And so it really, still, I pray for them every day. And, yeah, that's a really powerful story. I know, what were you, what were you doing that day? Were you, how did you end up getting connected with them? Um, so we split up our team. Um, so we were doing mainly construction work at a community center, but then um, two days we split the team up, and then in the afternoon we brought food to um, local community members that the church is working with there um, each day. And so we stopped at different um, houses and just sort of prayed for each house. And that was really one of the, That's one of the things. Yeah. So Convoy has different, they have different warehouses in all sorts of countries all over the world. And um, just delivering food they the, through the local church, is that right? You guys yes. were with the local church. Yes. So they, they provide groceries to the local church to give out, to be a light to the city, and to, to bring hope to their community. And, um, yeah, it's just really incredible. Yeah. We're so thankful that you guys were all able to go and, and head out on that trip. So let's thank, thank them for their service and all that they did. Thank you, guys. Thanks. It's a very small amount of stories. I'm, I know that they have... I've sat and heard many, many of the impact that goes beyond even, even what they have done in that city. When you, when you go on trips, they, they make that money go even farther, and they have many different projects and people that we can't even, we don't even have the full understanding of, but it's pretty incredible. Um, yeah. So as I close, I, I just want to, I want to ask just a simple thing of you. Will you give one day's wage to our best and keeper? It's a big ask. I mean, it's big in sacrifice, but big in impact, right? Um, as a church, we're inviting you to be part of our largest missions gift each year. Last year, like I said, we gave over $80,000. And here's the thing. We, we don't have so many people in our church that all of our one day's wages equals up to $80,000. So that tells me that some of you give two days wage. Some of you um, give maybe like a full week's wage. That's what's happening in our church. Um, so but here's my personal ask. Get involved in this story. Get involved in this story. Jeff, my, my husband Jeff is on the ground while probably landing in the next hour or so. Um, he might have just landed. I don't know. Close enough. He's in Zimbabwe. Um, and he's going, and we, we have made a huge impact in Zimbabwe. If you haven't heard, we're feeding over 2,000 kids. Um, there are, he's going to be connecting with the church leaders there. A church has been planted in Zimbabwe. There's an agricultural program that has been developed, and there are farmers that are growing crops and creating sustenance for their families and for their community because of our partnership with Convoy. Um, so he's there, and he is checking it out. He's going to come back and share a little bit. He's taking videos and documenting some of the things he sees, and I can't wait for you all to hear a little bit about that. Um, you can trust Convoy is our innkeeper. Absolutely, 100%. That's why we get up here and do this every October. You can trust Convoy is our innkeeper, and I'd love for you to be involved. Uh, just some details. If you've never given to our church before, this is a great time to start. If you regularly give to our church we ask that your one-day offering be above and beyond your normal giving so that you, so you can designate all the giving. You can write on the memo line one day. If you're, 
giving online, there's a drop down that says one day, um, anything you can do to designate your gift, it will go to the vineyard. We will collect that, and Convoy wants us to give one, one check to them. So that's just the logistics of that. Um, so make sure you designate your gift. You can write it to the vineyard, but designate one day. 100% of the gifts marked for one day will be given to our friends at Convoy of Hope and used to feed the hungry and starving all around the world. Let's pray and prepare our hearts to be part of this story together.